inappropriate for us to leave this place right now. And so we're going to switch gears, guys. We're going to give the message that I was going to give. We'll give that tonight. Because what has been spoken has already been a message. And so uh, when the Holy Spirit visits us and when we hear a word like that that brings us uh, to a place of revelation that God can be trusted in the midst of darkness, it's really important that we honor the sacredness of what has been said. but that we also don't rush away from the things that it brings up in our own lives and hearts. The necessity that we have to trust God when we cannot see. And so instead, what I'm going to do, because we have about 20 minutes, and I would have a hard stop, and I, the Holy Spirit is just very much here. Amen? I mean, just feel like he is... He's hovering. He's breaking up some ground in our hearts. He's saying, that was for you. Uh, I feel like Quinn's with us. And um, I think it's important that uh, we look to the Lord in light of what has been shared. And so I want to take us to Psalm 27. Because as I was standing there, the Holy Spirit just said, we just, you just, this is a turning point in this weekend. For some of us, this is just, there's been joy, there's been laughter. For some of there, there's been grief, but there is this collective weightiness that I sense is present with us. And so I am going to uh, walk us for the next few minutes through Psalm 27. And then we're going to go into our small groups, and I pray that in those small groups we spend time listening and encouraging one another and listening to the sermon that has been preached in our hearing. What did God say about his faithfulness? What did God say about trust? What did God say to us through their words when we want to run from God and instead we run smack into God, whether it be in a statue or it be in a word, what is he telling us about running to him when we want to run from him? What did he say to us? So I pray for that time that we have before we go and have the privilege of gathering our little ones back into us, to ourselves as we sup and have a meal together that we will think so much about what God has already said to us in this very sacred time. So I'm going to walk us now through Psalm 27. And Father, as we now go to your word, we recognize your Holy Spirit here. As we have prayed and as we have worshipped, as we have heard, even the declaration through worship that you are a God that we can trust, as we've heard the impactful, powerful story of Quinn and her brother and mama and daddy, Lord, we thank you already for what you are speaking to us. Rest upon our hearts, Holy Spirit. Give us courage in this day. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see the new thing that you are doing. 
May the words of our mouths, the meditations of my heart be acceptable. In your sight, Lord, you are my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name. Psalm 27 is one of the first psalms that I memorized. And in a different time in my life, a time that I was um, leaving a very abusive relationship, uh, Psalm 27 became uh, the courage that I needed to face the darkness of a situation that could have taken my own life. And so I know something about this word and something about trusting God, as others of you do. But I want us to hear the push and the pull and the tug of war of the soul of David as he speaks about God being his stronghold. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. And I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me. God of my salvation, even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my and my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. Turning pages with these is not easy. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. And wait for the Lord. We've heard a beautiful uh, testimony that really was a preached word. Thank you in our hearing. And that message, though personal, I believe, was a word that spoke to all of us, something about a deeper trust beyond the things that we can see, beyond the predictable, beyond the expectation, beyond what we used to watch in wild world of sports, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Life is like that sometimes. 
I've learned in my own life, and I know that if I were to hold this microphone to each one of your mouths, or if we invited you to come up and tell your own stories, there would be stories of deep grief and of great joy. And the beauty of it is that God doesn't call us to rush away from either. He wants us to celebrate in the time of joy. He wants us to have hilarious laughter. He wants us to run, to play, to jump, to skip. But in times of grief, he wants us to be still and not run from him or not to shake our fist, though I have shaken a fist. I have run from him. I have asked why. Please let me remind you that if you ever have asked God why, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. If you've ever struggled and asked God, what's the point of my suffering? It doesn't make you a bad Christian. God is big enough to deal with our grief. He's big enough to deal with the uncertain questions. He's big enough to deal certainly with our own sin and our own demise. But the beauty of him is what I heard today and what I have heard through this Psalm of David is that he is Redeemer. He is the one that takes little bodies and transforms them into saints. He's the one that makes all things new. He's the one that takes the broken things of our lives and somehow he restores them and he makes them something new. And that's why I love Psalm 27 and love so much of what we've heard. This word that was preached through our brother that God is using even now to cause us to search our hearts to say, what do you need to let go of? What are you just holding on to? What's making you miserable in your own life? How can I use your own story, the thing that right now is plaguing you? Do you trust me to turn it around and use it for your good? And not just your good for other people's good. Can I stretch you and can I take you into places Do you now believe the word, Psalm 23, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? You don't have to fear because I'm with you. My rod and my staff are going to comfort you. Do you hear it afresh this morning? Do you hear the word afresh this morning that came from Isaiah 43? Look, I'm doing a new thing. Have you not seen it? Have you not perceived it? And as God cries out to us and calls out to us through Psalm 27, we can hear the lament and we can hear the agony as well of our brother David, an imperfect man and yet a king. A man who wrestled with his own flesh. He wrestled with power. He wrestled with his own greatness. And at the same time, he was a man after God's own heart. That's why I love so much Psalm 27, because it allows us to have a glimpse into the heart of a man who lived in the presence of God, stumbled and bumbled and fell, but got back up. We heard that this morning, even after he had sinned with Bathsheba, and he chronicles that in Psalm 51, how we heard the cry of David when he said, God, against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. I'm so grateful for the restoration that comes through Jesus and so grateful for this psalm as we hear the cry of David and as it echoes the testimony of our brother and sister who are here with us, who in their grace said thank you to this community for being a place of strength. The Lord is our light and our salvation. So whom shall we fear 
that were the very first words that I remember meditating on, and I remember praying it over and over and over and have since prayed it over and over in dark passages of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It reminded me of the scripture that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you've ever held a lantern in front of you, you know that the light that is shown from a lantern only can cast a few steps in front of you. And I believe that sometimes God in his goodness and mercy only shows us so much. Because what he wants us to do is not to rush forward to see what the end will be, but to be faithful to take the steps that are in front of us today. What steps do you need to take today? If God is giving you the lantern of his word, and he said, I'm giving you four steps, I want you to walk toward me in those four steps, and I want you to trust me for the next four, and the next four, and the next four. So many of you have written down prayers for your children. Like you, I'm a mom that wonders what the world will be like as my children get older and as my children become moms, what will the world be like? I don't know what the future know, holds, but I know who holds the future. And just like that same God holds Quinn, he holds our children. And God says to us today, I am your light and your salvation. You shall not fear. Raise your children to know this word and to know the one who is in this word. So whether they face darkness the light of Christ will usher them home, whether it is tomorrow or whether it's a hundred years from now. He who is faithful has promised. God has reminded me not to let fear cripple me from moving forward. Do not let fear cripple you from making your children bold in this word. Because the reality is if we don't teach them, the world will give them their words. The world will tell them what to believe. The culture and the community will, but God said, no, this is the eternal word. This is the lamp unto your feet. This is the light unto your path. I am the great I am. I am is greater than your what if. God is calling us this morning in this word, reminding us. The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. What can you let go of today and instead hold on to the stronghold who is God Almighty? What is burning your hands because you're in a tug of war with God, not willing to let something go? What can you let go of and instead hold all, put all of your energy, all of your faith, and all of your hope into the stronghold who is God? says, whom should I dread? I love that word. Whom should I dread? If God is the stronghold of my life, whom should I dread? What should I hate? What should I fear? What should consume me? I am so grateful that Quinn's life and her death did not consume you, but instead gave you hope and made you live a deeper righteousness so that you can see her again. And then you called us to righteousness so that we may too also rejoice and have that Revelation 7-9 moment. Revelation 7-9 says that every tribe and tongue shall worship the Lamb together. That's an exciting prospect 
So we don't need to dread or fear tomorrow or the things that we can't control or money woes or family situations or kids who have gone astray or poor self-esteem or bodies that are breaking. We don't need to fear or dread it. We don't have to hate the idea of tomorrow. We don't have to be consumed by the fear of extremism because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no one who can take your life because God will raise it up on the other side. We must not live for this life, but we must live to live again. This is temporary. This is a vapor. This is smoke. This is a moment. But there is an eternity, and what we do and how we choose to live it has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. We don't need to fear and we don't need to dread. When evildoers, when evil things, the word of God says, come against us to devour our flesh, they will stumble and fall. David says, though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I hope some of you will do as I did perhaps and take time to meditate and memorize as much of you as you can of Psalm 27 because when you have the word on the inside of you and when the enemy tries to come as a flood, God said he will raise up a standard and his word becomes that beacon, it becomes that light, it becomes that force, it becomes that unifying factor that keeps us in the midst of his presence. I have asked one thing of the Lord. I heard this so clearly today in our brother's words as he said to us, there were things that I prayed for. And as I thought about what I prayed for, I recognized that there were things that I wanted. And then I had to ask myself, was I praying for God's will? I don't know about you, but there are times that I would much rather pray my will than God's will. Because sometimes God's will is scary. Because God's will stretches us and God's will pulls us and God's will asks something of us that we don't feel like we're ready for. But that's the miracle of trusting and believing in God is that God can take us in and through things that our own flesh can't. What is the purpose of a Savior if we can save ourselves? What is the purpose of God? What is the purpose of faith if faith is kept in our back pocket rather than in our hearts? What is the purpose of this word if it doesn't call us, it draws closer to God, but sits on our shelves? There is no purpose. But God says, no, I saved you for my purpose, for my great pleasure. And I heard our brother say, I have asked one thing of the Lord. It's this one thing I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not only to be where Quinn is, but to be where God is, who is holding Quinn. Isn't that the prayer of all of us as parents? All of us who have had loved ones who have gone on before us, that it wouldn't simply be that we would be reunited with them, but we would be reunited with the God who made it possible. It is in and through him that we have the desires of our hearts, including these sweet reunions. This one thing I ask of you, Lord, this is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. 
If you close your eyes, can you imagine the beauty and the splendor of the Lord? Can you imagine the moment when, like our little sister Quinn, you take your final breaths and you transition from this life into the next? Reminds me of the song from Mercy Me, I Can Only Imagine. I can only imagine what it will be like when I find myself walking in the sun. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, and in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Can you imagine when this life is past, when you stand in the presence of the eternal king, can you imagine when all pain and sickness and death has passed away? And you stand in the presence of perfection, not concerned first or foremost with who else is there, but you push through this great heavenly cloud and crowd of witnesses to get in the face of the one who thousands of years before was foreseen by the prophets was foretold, who came, wrapped himself in flesh, walked among us, healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blind eyes, spoke truth to power, took all of our sin upon himself, died a cruel death on a thief's cross, but destroyed death, hell, and the grave rising again on the third day, sitting on the right hand of the Father where he will once again stand and step into, out of eternity and into our presence where one day we will forever be with the Lord. Can you imagine what it is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? Where you stand in the presence of perfect perfection. This is what David prayed for and I believe that this is our all in all, our hope, our anchor, our stronghold, that when all of this passes, whatever may pass before us, whatever lies in front of us, may we be singing, right, when the evening comes. I love that hymn, bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship his holy name. This one thing we ask of you, Lord, this one thing that we seek, to behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of our lives, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking you in your temple, in your presence where you are. For you will conceal us in your shelter in the day of adversity, and you'll hide us under the cover of your tent You'll set us high on a rock, and then our heads will be high above our enemies surrounding us. And we will offer sacrifices in your tent with shouts of joy. And we will sing, and we will make music before the Lord.
Lord God, we are so grateful that you have called us this weekend to not consider the former things, the temporal things, the dark things, the things of past. You've called us to learn to rest in you and not look back at our own sin, at the Sodom and Gomorrah of our lives, to not get consumed, to not turn to pillars of salt, to not be overwhelmed by fear or brokenness, but instead to say, Lord, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Let me put my full faith and my full hope in you. Lord God, help us to release into your hands the things that we so tightly hold in fear. We've been so challenged this morning already, oh God, by the words of our brother. And how, Lord God, you hold out life in front of us, but you call us to hold it with our fingers, not clutching it, but you call us to hold it tenderly. You call us to dedicate, baptize our children and give them back to you because from you they came to us, through us, and it is our responsibility to give them back to you. Lord, we don't know what the future holds. And I know so many of us as parents, as friends, as family, Lord God, we, we want so desperately to trust you. Lord, forgive us for the ways in which we hold ourselves back from you where our actions say, God, I just don't trust you. I, I can't see enough of the way. Your word may be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, but I want you to show me further. And you say, no, because if I might show you further, you might not be able to walk forward, but I'm going to give you what you need for today. So God, thank you for giving us what you've given us today through this word, through the word of our brother and his sister. Thank you for reminding us that we can continue to walk forward through the valley of the shadow of death, that we can rest in you, that like footprints you do carry us. When we can't carry ourselves, you carry us through the great cloud of witnesses. You carry us through prayer. You carry us through friends at Family Fest. You carry us through your eternal word. You carry us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we go into this time, into our small groups. Lord God, we know that you'll be in each one. I pray that if it's necessary, tears flow. I pray if it's necessary that we just sit in silence in one another's presence, that we would do so. I pray if we continue just to need to pray and cry out to you, that we would do so, that we would not rush away from you. We would not shake off the overwhelming sense of the heartbeats in our chest the things that you're calling us to, like you called them to trust you more. Thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for our children who are here. Thank you for our children who are with you. Thank you for this beautiful place, this sanctuary, this place of quiet, this place of love, this place of celebration, this place of peace. Thank you for every family assembled here. Thank you for the courage that you give us to say yes to you. And now, Lord, as we go into these times, these holy huddles, these family times, may your sweet Holy Spirit abide with us and hover with us and remain with us 
both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's get into our small groups.